Hey, listeners, before we get started, if you're enjoying these episodes, you can actually check them out on YouTube in full video. You can just search Honest Ecommerce and you'll get pulled right to our channel. Make sure you subscribe and ring the bell for all the updates. The real question is, what product could or would you get behind and stay behind in a recession where sales did drop and things did get hard? Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, we're welcoming to the show a fantastic expert to answer all of our questions around Google Shopping and Google Ads in general, and even YouTube. It's all kind of under the same umbrella. Uh, Kasim, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Chase, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. And first and foremost, I want everyone to go and check out the episode that I did on his podcast, uh, Send Some Traffic There. It was a great conversation. Um, but yeah, let's kind of let's just take me back in time, man. Uh, you've got so many just awesome accolades on the website and awards. Everyone go check it out. This guy really knows what he's talking about. But my question to you is, what was interesting to you about you know paid advertising? Why did you get into this space? <laughs> I, I failed miserably at everything else, so it wasn't it wasn't a conscious decision at all. I had a I had an agency called Solutions Eight that did everything. We did it all. So you know your web, your content, your SEO, your video, your social. I'd I'd, I'd wash your dog if you asked me to. And it was a it was a miserable existence, man. Just that you know everything to everyone thing. And I had a business partner who was the one who identified that when somebody was successful with paid ads, that was the indication they were going to be successful long term. And so we used paid ads in the beginning just just as a litmus test to see whether or not a client was going to survive. Because you invest so much, digital marketing is front loaded; it's top heavy. You invest so much in these clients and then you go to market and you know the offer fails or they don't answer their phone or they run out of inventory or whatever. And so what I like about Google specifically is you're taking your client and you're throwing them in the Coliseum with all of their competitors. And then they have this bloody battle to the death. And if they come out alive, it's like, okay, you can you have an offer that people want. You have a price point that actually functions. We know that you can take a phone call and sell or your website actually converts or you have a, a you know adequate lifetime value of a customer or people retain or they come back or whatever. Now we can dig in and help grow your business. Uh, which is it's an interesting and very combative paradigm because you know, I've heard people say like, "Oh, I tried I tried Facebook ads or I've tried Google ads and they didn't work." And, and in my mind, I'm always like, "No, no, no. Your business didn't work." Like the ad mechanism took what you wanted to say and put it in front of who you wanted to say it to. That's virtually guaranteed unless you screwed up something massively. Now, what you know is you're either saying it to the wrong person, or you're saying the wrong thing. And let's go tweak that. But but I, I just, I love the, I love the, the this is going to sound so douchey. I love the purity behind it. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just truth. It's like we can, we can sit here and, and, Talk about like, oh, does my website reflect the feeling of my web? Like there's all the subjective, is this content indicative of our, you know, tone or like there's all this stuff in the, in the creative world that just, it just would drive me insane. But what I like about paid ads is you can't hide. It's, it, did this make money? Yes or no? Did this convert? Did you get more subscribers? Did you get more likes, comments, shares? Whatever? You know, however it is that you're measuring, 
it, it's it's clear and um I don't know. That was a bit of a soapbox moment for you, Chase. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> oh, no. It was great. Uh, you said something there that I am going to steal and I'm going to use uh, forever. It was that concept of, oh, Facebook ads or, oh, Google ads won't work for me. And it isn't the ads and it isn't... Most of the time, it isn't even the marketer. It's the the offer that you're putting in front of people. And, I, and that... I, it, that didn't click for me until you just said it out loud to me. And I think that's so impactful. Like... Um, I think a lot of people try something once and they don't think it, it should they should ever try it again. And a lot oftentimes, especially with young entrepreneurs, they try it themselves and they, you know, don't have the chops or the expertise to do it the right way, or they don't have the budget to actually give the thing a proper test. So uh I guess that's gonna be my next question is like I have a brand you know, we're getting some organic sales, uh, you know, we're actually giving it this a shot. What are some kind of insights that I should look into my business to be like, yeah, I should probably get into Google shopping or Google ads or, or YouTube ads. Like th this might be a good channel for me. Yeah. So I, you know, I think that's such a brilliant question because it speaks to where the fail point is potentially from a paid traffic perspective, where and how you're converting. And that's what I'm referring to where and how you're converting is really important because if you're doing things organically, if you're doing things referral based, if you're doing things because you have really strong affiliates, um, let's say you play the influencer marketing game really well. Uh, all that traffic can be relatively inexpensive. As a matter of fact, what I tell brands, and this is, I'm just going to go shit the bed in the, on my entire industry. Okay, Paid traffic should be the last thing that you do. This is the worst place to go and try to prove concept. It's the best place to go and try to scale for sure without question. And I'll fight to the death on that one. But if you're new, young, early stage, small, low budget, whatever, paid traffic is expensive and it's competitive and it's hard. And so the very first question is, do you have the margins to support it? Because if you've been converting organically, I don't want to see organic traffic as free because we all know that, it's, that that's not true. You have to invest time, effort, energy, sometimes money, but the cost per acquisition, the cost of the traffic isn't tied directly to the sale of the product. And so as far as your, your, individual product sale, that traffic is is already paid for, let's say. The, the investment is done. It's a sunk cost. Um, and there's so many folks that are doing really well with influencers or social, and then they go to paid. And it's like, yeah, you know, if you get a 300% ROAS, that's damn good. And you need to be able to eat off of, you need to at least be breaking even. 250 to 300%. If you're not breaking even, which you know you can back right into your margins from there. And I don't just mean product margins. It's like, what does it take after your cost of goods, after shipping, fulfillment, customer service, lights on? Like, you know, more or less, can I live off of 250 to 300% ROAS? And that, by the way, is a really consistent number across almost all paid app traffic channels. I'm not telling you that you stop at 300%. I have a client who has a 15,000% ROAS. It's insane. They have a phenomenal niche. They scale to the moon. It's awesome. But 250 to 300% is generally speaking where we find stasis. And then from there, you can optimize, you know, three becomes 305 and 310 and 400 and 450. So it's, but it's slow incremental, incremental improvement. You're going to be at that 300 mark for, I don't know, three, six, nine, 12 months, especially depending on how much you can afford to spend. So if you can't be profitable or at least sustain some level of break even at that threshold, don't do it, period. And what, what gets worse in the e-com game, especially, is there's so much money being like flooding into this world, these private equity firms, these venture capitalists, dude, I can't tell you. And it's, it, this is a new phenomenon for me. It's the last year or so 
where people are, are telling me, hey, we don't need to, we don't need to profit on the ads. If you break even, if you're at 1.1 ROI, ROAS, not even ROI. Mm -hmm. ROAS and ROI are different, by the way. So I use the wrong word there. But if you're at 1.1, we're golden. And it's because you have a hyper sophisticated business owner or entrepreneur on the back end that realizes once I have the customer, you know, we're, we're in consumables or, or some, some level of repeating value. They're using the front end acquisition from an e-com perspective as their list building mechanism. Like it's unreal what they're, what they're willing to invest. I've seen, I've seen some smaller e-com brands now come to the table saying, yeah, we don't need to be profitable for the first year. We got our funding they, and, and, and the people that are funding them, they know the game. And so the reason I say that is because everybody needs to know just how sophisticated this got. And it happened in the last like 12 to 24 months. So all these kids running around selling whatever course they're selling about how you can make a million dollars a minute drop shipping. Like best of luck to you, man. Because I, I think that it's, it, it, that actually used to be true. But we just saw major heavy hitters enter the arena and it happened in the last, you know, SaaS used to be the darling and it got exhausted. SaaS valuations are like 40, 40x EBIT or something insane. So they had to go somewhere and e-com is the next best thing because it's still, it's recurring revenue. It's, you know, brandable, it's buildable, it's predictive. So all of these really sophisticated, I don't even know what to call them, engines have entered the e-commerce game and we're all fighting against them now. So make sure you can compete in that ecosystem. I didn't mean to just depress everybody. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. I, mean, I was <laughs> taking notes over here. I don't know if you saw me. But uh, the first is the idea of taking a course or watching some YouTube videos, building a dropshipping site and winning. Now I'm on the beach with my Ferrari. Is the state? That's where Honest E-commerce came from. Because I was like, that is a lie. I'm going to be honest about e-commerce and building a business. And here we are three years later. Um, so you know, we're, we're brothers in that kind of perspective of it's like, good luck. Right, you know, yeah, exactly people right. will do what they want to do. Uh, but, anyways, so the two questions that I had from from that is, you, we talked a lot about margin there at the beginning of the conversation. What would you say? And obviously, this is more rule of thumb, and it's not hard and fast. But like, what's a good margin, right? Like, what should I be thinking about as a business owner when I'm starting to build out my products? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna twist this a little bit, and then you can tell me if I'm being dishonest. Okay, because um, I actually I dislike any business model where we have to profit off of the first purchase. And that's where the margin conversation comes from. What I'd rather do is talk about consumables or repeat purchases or uh, 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 subscription models. Mm -hmm. And the reason I like that is because you could have effectively very slim margins and on a long enough timeline, assuming people like your product, you could be, you could be very successful. So I, I like to lead people in that direction because your customer acquisition cost is, it's the most expensive cost in your business when you compile all other things. It's more expensive than personnel, generally speaking, especially for e-commerce brands. So if you pay that cost and you only profit from that customer one time, ah, that's flawed. You know what I mean? That's just, it's just, it's like, gosh, we're just, we did the hardest thing. We got this person, they came and they bought and then they left forever. And now I'm going to go do the hardest thing that I have to do again. What I'd rather do is get them in the fold somehow and then sell to them forever. We had a client who did, they've actually fired us since. Their campaign got so good, they hired somebody full-time and brought them in-house. God bless them. That happens to me a lot. Um, but they did an industrial type of tape that HVAC um, repair people use. And their initial order was $4. So people bought a $4 roll of tape. It cost me about 80 bucks to sell a $4 roll of tape. And you think, well, that's insane. Nobody's ever going to do that. Well, what they were doing is they buy the tape to see if it actually does what they say it's going to do because it's, you know, it's, uh, 
it's new. It's something they're not acclimated to. And then once they've proven concept, then I think their lifetime value of a customer was something like five grand, you know, yeah. $4,500 to $5,000. So it's like, would you pay $80 to ultimately get five grand out of somebody? Yeah. So I'd like to lead people in that direction. Now, let me go back and answer your question. Assuming that you're just not in that space and you need to profit off of somebody, if you're not hovering in the 60% realm, I think you're going to have a hard time with paid traffic. Now, that's not always true. It depends on the commoditization of your industry. But that 60% margin is, that's healthy. That's nice and padded. And then you come to me and say, well, hey, Kassam, I'm at 50. And I'm like, all right, you know, we can test it. I'm at 40. See how competitive your market is. I'm at 30. And it's like, you're just paying for people to buy your product now, potentially, depending on the cost of your traffic. So I I did my best to answer that as directly as I could without knowing all the other variables. Exactly. And that's the thing that there is no right way to do this. And every business is different. And you could look at two, you know, let's just use... There's a lot of fashion brands out there on the internet, right? And fashion is probably the hardest to answer this question on because there's so much competition. There, the barrier of entry is so easy and it doesn't lend itself to a consumable or a subscription type model. So, you know, it is often kind of one and done purchasing. And, and so you really have to lean into, you know, driving up that lifetime value. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, uh, but it, it's... Well, you, so you brought up something that's kind of a, if you don't mind me just bogarting what it is we're saying. Yeah. I wanted to show you the brand that I'm talking about, but I can't show them publicly. I had a clothing brand come to me and say, we want to run Google ads. And they had the ugliest, like, I've never seen anything so repelling in my entire life. It was just, blah. I was like, there's no way anybody's going to buy this. 1200% ROAS, right out of the gate just flew off the racks, great return value, great customer value, whatever. Juxtaposed to, I had a gal come to me with the most, I'm a dad. And she came to me with these, these. Um, it was like swaddles, baby clothes. Um, it was this baby brand, fashion-esque. Mm-hmm. And I was, this stuff was adorable. And it was, it was uh, uh, really well-backed, good guarantees. And I was like, oh, this is going to fly off the shelf. This is, we're going to crush it. Filled miserably. So the thing about anything subjective like fashion is, man, you just, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years now. I have $54 million in ad spend under management and I get it wrong all the damn time. And, and the subjective worlds like fashion, you know, that's, you're not selling nuts and bolts. It's not like, does it do the thing? Yeah. Now it's, do I like it? And if I like it today, am I going to like it tomorrow? Um, that's a tough place to be. It's, it's like being an artist. Yeah, You know, you, you have to, I, I don't know, like really feel confident in your ability to stay one step ahead of wherever the trend is going to go. Yeah, no, no. And like, I would never say that I'm an expert when it comes to Google ads. I can talk to language and it makes sense to me, but I'm not going to be in there pushing buttons or, or, you know, that's very belittling to what you do. But um, I would say that fashion in general is would be one of the harder kind of verticals to use in Google. And then like... uh something that is a little more uh like you said it does it do the thing does it solve the problem uh something that's less kind of like choose your own adventure is going to perform better on the google sense now on the flip side i think that fashion does ridiculously well on like facebook and instagram because yeah. the visual component of do that do i like that thing and will it look good on me yeah dude tiktok um i'm really interested to see how TikTok performs from a paid perspective because it's so sticky yeah, and people are just ravenous for it. Um, 
And to the point you just made, I think fashion brands will do really well on on stuff like TikTok. If you know how to use the platform, that's the thing about TikTok is if you don't know how to use it, like you're going to get torn apart. And I'm saying this as somebody who does not know how to use TikTok, you know, but the people that use it and use it well, like, gosh, that's just, and that goes back to what we're talking about. I don't even think that's, that's paid traffic necessarily. If you're good at TikTok, you don't need to pay for the visibility. You're going to get it. Um, and you're going to bank off it. I'm not an expert by any means, but uh, it's such a new platform, especially the advertising part of TikTok, that if you can learn how to do it now, this is what's going on right now with TikTok in 2022 is what was happening with Facebook six or seven years ago, where it was just the Wild West. And if you were sort of good, you were getting 5 to 10x. 100%. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's really, really well, well said. Awesome. So obviously, we kind of harped on fashion a lot there. What would you say is like a good vertical where you're going to see some awesome kind of returns for Google and YouTube as like, a, you know, a rule of thumb? So it's funny because my partner and I right now, we're trying to, we're either trying to buy or build little e-com brands because they can make everybody else all the money. And so we're having this conversation all the time. And the things that I really like uh, and you know, part of me doesn't want to even let the cat out of the bag, to be honest with you. But I'm going to do it because the name of the, the podcast is Honesty Commerce, um, and I have to be true to your, your mission here, Chase. Here's what I like: I like enthusiast niches. For instance, um, bass fishing. You ever met a bass fisherman? Yep. I I knew you were going to say fishing I, before you even said it. Yeah, because dude, because those people are like unbelievably plugged in. It's insane. And so if you go get an enthusiast niche, um, A, that you can source the product, it gets, it gets really specific. You can compete in the realm like against somebody like an Amazon because you can actually go for the quality over quantity and you can build in community and education, which is where a niche can survive in, in an ecosystem like this one where Amazon's just going to go and build their own you know, version and, and basically try to replace you. And there's a billion of them too. I just, we had a client come in that I think we're taking on and they're doing... Um, uh, uh, cyclists, but like hardcore, like, you know, the BMX, the mountain bikers, the and they've got their, their site is so well done because it's not just the product it's the community. And that's the thing to think about. Can I build a community around this product? Um, and if the answer is yes, then I think that, I think you're going to have a lot of longevity because what you want to do ultimately is stop paying for traffic. You use paid traffic to get you to where you want to go to scale up. But the, the community is nice because it's a well that you can continue to draw from. So go Absolutely. find those little enthusiast niches. I mean, dude, pool players. I mean, billiards. Like, you, like whatever it is, whatever you're super into, go think about that and and see if you can build a little econ brand about that. Because that the other thing too is I've seen founders that were really plugged in to what they were selling. It's a whole different world. It's a whole different business. One of our clients is uh, Yellowbird Salsa, and George is obsessed. The guy that runs the, the company, owns the company, he's obsessed with salsa. Like he's really into it. He really cares. He really, like, he'll talk to you about, I mean, you know, he's like a, a culinary like expert. And then I've seen founders who just don't, they're like, oh, we thought this would make money. And yeah. there's something about that where you're just, you can just feel it on their site. They've done everything right. You know what I mean? Like if you could hold them side by side and you couldn't even necessarily say what was different about the two, but there's like, a, this gets really weird dude so feel free to just cut me off here but there's like a spirit injected into a business when a founder really cares about what it is they're doing Mm -hmm. so i'd go find something that you're enthusiastic about that that has a niche community and you can build a community around it yeah now this is definitely going to be inside baseball me and you both run agencies when given the choice between that 
cash grab, I kind of buried the lead there, but like between that type of thing and like someone that is really enthusiastic, every time I'm going with enthusiasm. 100%. I'll even ask during those conversations, you know, where we're getting to know each other, like if it starts to look like they're only in it for the money and I just go, is this a cash grab? Like, let's just be honest with each other. And I'm like, you know, if we got nothing else going on, sure, let's we'll do the project. But you know, if there if I have to choose, I'm going to go with the one that's passionate about it because it's always going to be more fun. It's always going to be better results, and it's always going to be a more longevity of 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 a thing. Yeah, we we I, I was on a sales call with a guy who's he's shown me the site they have set up, and he's pitching me on the product, and and I batted him down very kindly, and I was like, hey, I don't think we're the right fit, and and then he stops and he goes, well, what 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 do you think I should sell? Like he goes, I go to China three times a year. He's like, I can source anything, and I'm like, dude, you're doing this the wrong way, you know? Like you're just gonna be you're gonna be a me too, no matter what you do. Because when you play that game, you're always just looking for the next shiny object and it's going to be whatever the dropshippers are selling now. And you go and grab your own. And the minute that stops being popular, you immediately jump ship. The real question is, what product could or would you get behind and stay behind in a recession where sales did drop and things did get hard? Like, What's the thing that you would feel really passionate sticking it out through? That's the thing to go get into because no matter what on a long enough timeline and hopefully this isn't uh <laughs> inappropriate given the current economic turmoil but no it's it's very timely this is yeah. it's, it's it's happening right now folks yeah you're going to you're going to have your ebbs and you're going to have your flows and and if you if you don't if you're not looking at this and thing like i i i don't want to stick this out if it gets hard don't do it cuz it's going to get hard guaranteed no matter what 100% Absolutely. And, and when it gets hard, those are the learning moments. You learn so much about your business and about uh, business ownership, uh, e-commerce. Dude, when it gets hard is when you make the damn money. Yeah. All the competitors burn off. They all... This, here's the other thing. This gets this gets horrible to say because a lot of people are going to get hurt. I Dude, I got nailed in the 08 recession. Lost my house, my car. I was almost homeless. I was trolling Costco for free trials. It was horrible. So I'm not saying this lightly. Recessions are good in a lot of ways. Because, you know, going back to what you were saying about, you know, all the drop shippers and the this, that, whatever, there's a bunch of people, agencies included, that are in business that shouldn't be in business, that are making money that shouldn't be making money. And they muddy the waters. They, they increase the cost of traffic. They, they, they take away visibility from legitimate organizations. And when the recession hits, they're the first ones to go. They get burned right off. And then what sucks is the market is overcorrected now. So then some legitimate businesses get burned off. But if you can just hold on, and I've I've experienced this experienced this myself too. I you know I we're the we're the number one ranked Google Ads agency on the planet. A lot of that has to do with the fact that we've done the work. A lot of that has to do with the fact that I just stuck it out when other people jumped ship. You know what I mean? Like I was just the last one holding on. So if you can just hold on, you're going to see all these competitors go away. It's going to be really hard, really painful. But then you know when when the sun starts to rise, you're the only one there. And when people actually start to come back and start to spend money and start to, you know, and they need a brand and now it's blue ocean because for somebody else to come back in and, and start playing competitor is going to be really hard. And you've got a 12 to 18 month runway of just cleaning up. Absolutely. I mean, I think right now is going to be a really interesting time to be a business like just with labor costs are through the roof, inflation, and then the recession is hitting like it's going to get rid of a lot of businesses that were barely holding on, like you said, and that shouldn't have been in business. Which you know, you can look at it two ways. One, it's like, oh, that that's that sucks for them. You know, they're going out of business. Like that person lost their job. 
But on the other side, it's going to make it less competitive for you if you're actually passionate about what you're doing. It's honest, It comes down to be like, if you are passionate about solving a problem and you're smart about running a business, you should be fine. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more. So you mentioned something there that I kind of didn't highlight throughout the entire interview and maybe the casual listener just didn't hear it. You guys are the top ranked Google ad agency in the world. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a vanity metric and it changes because Google's ranking changes, as you know, but we've been the number one ranked Google ads agency for the last year and a half to two years, more often than not. And if you don't want to go off of organic rankings, we're uh, a Google premier partner, and uh, which means we're in the top 3% of all Google partners according to Google's measurements. And then within the pr premier partner community, uh, we're one of the few premier partners that has all of the certifications. And so that if you do the the math puts us in the top 1% by by Google's analysis. I don't like or trust Google's analysis. If you're a premier partner, I actually think Google's ranking is based off of how well you comply with their recommendations. So in order to get our premier partner status, we had to go through every account that we have and we had to skip every single one of the recommendations they make because that's how you resolve it. It used to be that you actually had to comply with it. Now you have to skip with it. Um, so I don't, I don't really hold premier partner status in any level of esteem whatsoever. But there are people that do. And you know we have it for whatever that's worth. Um, we did the training and certification for digital marketer when they wanted a new paid traffic certification. Uh, everybody who knows what they're doing, and this is going to sound really arrogant, Chase, forgive me, but they refer to us. Like if somebody really knows what's going on in the DM world, we're the ones that get that business. And you know, a lot of ivory tower agencies too. There are these big bad, we have zero polish, but there are these big badass agencies with the, you know, the 50th floor conference room and $12 croissants. They're sending their work to us. You know, they're not, they don't, either that or they've got some intern that's kind of hacking something together. But um, when it comes to Google, I think very few people know what we know. Um, and hopefully that didn't come across as massively narcissistic. Uh, well, when you have the pedigree to back it up, it, it isn't narcissism. It's just being honest, right? Uh, so there's a lot of ways to learn more about you, the business, and you guys have a lot of free education tools out there. So just list off some places for people to go. If they want to learn more about Solutions 8 and you. Go to the YouTube. I, we shoot a video every single day. We give away literally everything. We hold nothing back. So if you want to learn how to Google, Google ads yourself, I'm not here to like tell you, oh, you got to sign up and buy my course and do this. Like we give away all of it. And then that, that pays us back. So YouTube's the best place. I just got Twitter active recently. So you can check me out on Twitter. The homepage of Solutions 8 is sol8.com. Um, and I hope that whatever we provide helps. You know, I really want to, especially men that on small businesses, that's my passion. I think that small businesses are, I think that the entrepreneur is a superhero and an unsung hero because it's what moves the entire global economy and entrepreneurs take on so much risk for a, dispropor a disproportionate amount of risk for the return. You know, if you look at everything that an entrepreneur goes through uh, and everything that they put on the, all the chips they put on the table. Um, all the people they employ, everything that they make possible, the problems that they solve. Uh, I don't think enough people are talking about just how important that is. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and you've got a small business, like good for you, pat on the back, you're doing the damn thing. And I hope whatever it is that we've provided from a content perspective is helpful. Absolutely, man. And that's, that's why I like doing this and, and running the agency because it's so much more fun and rewarding. If you can, you know, you can be impactful for that million dollar business and change their life. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing it for kind of the, you know, enterprise businesses, it gets a little less fun. It gets soul sucking. Yeah. And so we've, we've got a, 
I, and I actually really like the management team. We've got a publicly traded company that spends, you know, seven figures a month. And um, they had a target that we hit that was an insane target. It was unbelievable. They, they, they had a, a new customer acquisition goal that was just, it just felt impossible. And we hit the goal and everybody was happy and celebratory and whatever. But then the very next month, they're like, all right, we've dropped it by 20%. And I was like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, like it, it, we didn't have the moment where with the mom and pop shop, there's that like, oh, we've just changed a life. We didn't. We made a bunch of shareholders more money and now they're going to go try to squeeze them. You know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. there's just something about it that felt really deflating. All right, everybody. But if you're listening to this, let's end it on a good note. You can go and get all this awesome content uh, from Casim. It's all up for free on their YouTube channel. You can also check out their podcast, Perpetual Traffic. It's in the, one of the top 0.5% of all podcasts worldwide as well. We didn't really mention that one. All these links are going to be in the show notes. Casim, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate you. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.